You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Killer Bees podcast, episode 11. I am joined by Keelan Blue. Hello. Thank you for welcoming me, lovely Tommy Barbie. (laughs) You seem a little distracted. In case you're listening to us instead of watching us, um, I don't think Keelan has been left alone by her cat by more than like five seconds. I haven't. I've been gone for a few days and she, I think she just likes to show off when she knows I'm like talking to somebody. She's like, I got to have your attention. It's my time. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. She's a camera whore. Um, Tommy got a new camera and he looks great. And apparently he doesn't have the ring light on. So none need it right now. Evidently. I'm just, you know, naturally glowing. (laughs) You are glowing. (laughs) I'm glowing because Mike Rodolfo has hit two home runs today. Holy shit. I saw that you retweeted one of them and oh my God. Yeah. And his very next at bat, he had another home run. That's incredible. You, you predict things. (laughs) And by predict things, I mean, you just have like a good sense. I feel like so many things that we were talking about back in like January, December Mm -hmm. have occurred or are like, why aren't they occurring? Because yeah. clearly you have, I mean, like that. And then you brought up Brian Goodwin when like months before that happened. Um, yeah. I will say one thing that I still agree with that we've dealt with is that, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of depth, but we've built the depth, which is great. Yeah. No, I mean, that is definitely true. And I think that. I know I've been harder than most people have been on 
Rick Hahn and the White Sox org when it comes to depth, because, you know, quite honestly, they don't have a track record of developing it, but I didn't really think that, um, you know, Jake Berger would be able to turn around as quickly as he did. Yeah. I'm very glad that he did. It's just, you know, it's unheard of. Um, I also didn't predict that most of our first basemen slash DHs would somehow find a way to be able to play left field more effectively than Aloy or. <laughs> right. No. And <laughs> I mean, that's Sheets a good point. Would turn into like a somewhat complete player or Andrew, on the fly. I mean, and Andrew, Andrew Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah. That is incredible. Like, I, I feel like we not, I mean, as a fan base don't appreciate him enough for how amazing and reliable and steady he's been. Like it's it's pretty incredible. I just, I mean, I take it for granted on the regular, like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that that is both a huge kudos to the scouting department for being able to recognize the athleticism that those guys had where most people and myself included based on what I had seen of them, they looked very limited where it's like, okay, you can stick them in the corner outfield, but you don't want them to play that every single day, Agreed. but it's worked. And so, I mean, that's, that's been awesome. Um, I think now we're just at the um, second part of the thing that drives me nuts about Rick Hahn specifically. And that is we are coming up to the trade deadline. Like we're, we're here and all is silent except for we're touting that Eloy is coming back and Luis Roberts coming back and all is right in the world because that's two great additions without giving anybody up and aren't we excited and aren't we happy because you know when they come back they're immediately going to be a hundred percent right yeah (laughs) yeah um no, that's crazy. And that's something that um, is sad. It's like, oh, they're not going to do this. It's like, wow, they really are sticking with this narrative. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it. I hope this whole Trevor story rumor is true because that that would be the one move, I think, that if you're talking about a substantial difference maker at the trade deadline, that's it. Um, reliever would be great. You know, they, they need relief depth, but as far as a position player, I think that's pretty much as good as it's going to get. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you if you had, I mean, that's the other weird thing. People are like, yes, we need to get this. We need to get this. And it's mostly between like second base or relief pitching, um, which is weird because it's like, we can do more than one, you know, (laughs) but I was going to ask you. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Surprise. (laughs) Like. Hey, we may not do any. So, um, but yeah, that was what I was going to ask you if, you know, you had a personal priority or based on what you've seen. Um, Do you have a preference or do you not really? No, I mean, I think either way is fine with me. I think regularly the relief pitching is the one thing that I noticed the most. Yeah. But I mean, Honestly, just having somebody, obviously, we're missing a lot of things. I mean, I think even on the estrogen power hour, I talked about, and you and I talked about the catching too. Mm -hmm. Like that's obviously not as much of a priority as the others, but just based on, like you're saying about um, Eloy 
and Luis, we're expecting them to come back and be a hundred percent. I mean, same thing with Yasmani. Um, yeah. And just based on this Milwaukee series and everything we've seen with Zach Collins um, and yeah, sure. We have Sebi Zavala. Um, it's like, is this enough? Between the two rel- of them, you have one catcher, but they, they can't, <laughs> you can't have Zavala out there catching and then Collins out there hitting for him. Like, you know, you need somebody that can do a little bit of both. Um, I, I have to, you know, honestly, I would put catcher higher than infield. Um, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of need, I think it's higher. I just don't know. I don't see a scenario happening in which the White Sox could acquire one that makes a huge improvement unless it's part of a larger deal and or there's like a three-team trade where it's like some other deal is happening and the White Sox are a part of it where one of our prospects lines up and then we get a catcher in return. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, and they, it is, it reminds me a lot, honestly, of, you know, this narrative around Eloy and Luis, like they're coming back. It's like, Oh, we have Yasmani. It's fine. We we already have his deal. We paid him a lot. Even if he gets injured Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty severely twice in the same year in the same season and you're talking about knees like it's not even like other injuries that are not as restrictive uh, I I guess I would say where you know a knee injury pretty not that he's like old but he's older as a catcher like that never bodes well so I mean you see so many of his contemporaries that had to switch to first base because they couldn't catch every day yeah So, um, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I don't really think that a catcher is in the cards for, for them. Right. I don't either. I mean, we don't even know (laughs) if anything else is. So (laughs) I agree. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't think this should be the move, but keep in mind that the Sox just picked up Davey Grouillon too, which is fun to say because I want I just want to be, you know, the Cajun guy to be like Grouillon. Um you sound like uh what is that dude's name? The chef like I forgot his name. Chef the Paul Paul Perdon. Oh Perdon, yes. Yeah. Yeah. See I just think of that Ogeron now because that's just like Um, but you, you have him who the Sox picked up. Um, he's not inconsequential. This is a move where it's like if the Sox had made it in February or March, it'd be one of the guys that I'm kind of like hyping up slash keeping an eye on throughout the early part of the season because um, he's not that far removed from being one of the top catching prospects for the Washington Nationals, but he hasn't been very good recently. So it's like if the Sox think that they can do something with his hitting to kind of tweak it, he's a good game manager right now. So it's like, all right, you have a guy potentially that could be something. I just don't know if it's what you want to rely on for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah, especially, yeah, this half of the year. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and this is in the context, too, where the White Sox – still have performed incredibly well against their division 
they did really well against the Astros last time through, which is good. But now in the thick of things against the Brewers, you're starting to see kind of them getting outclassed again. And it's a matter of where do the White Sox truly rank against other playoff teams? Because this is a playoff team. Now we're just trying to figure out how far could this team actually make it? Yeah. A playoff team in a kind of crappy division. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, and, you know, they, they went through it last year too, where it was like, yeah, they were a great team and they went to Oakland and didn't have starting pitching and got eliminated pretty quickly because of it. And I, I just hate to see that repeat itself. Yeah. And I keep, I think I've used this with you too. Like, the burning car analogy it's like Mm -hmm. yeah sure a a car on fire can keep rolling and keep going but at a certain point it's going to stop and explode yeah it very much does feel like sure and whether you like Tony LaRusso or not you can only he can only go so far if you even believe he's like a great coach or a great manager he his talent can only go so far um and if you don't like him I mean same thing. We can only go so far with whatever luck we have or whatever Absolutely. thing, ever decisions that scouting or Rick Hahn has made. Um, so, and that's just the truth of the matter. Like we have what we have. We've had bad luck. We've had some good luck and we're chugging along, but I I'm the same. I'm like, how is this, especially after this series? I'm like, <laughs> you, you can't watch some of these games and just be like, yeah, this team is fine. Like even yeah. with the guys coming back from injury, like it, it's still, Mm, you kind of need another bullpen arm mm, yeah. you kind of need a second baseman it's just like you, there's some things that you still need no matter what yeah and it's like I love a good success story or you know like was it luck or was it planning all along did we know exactly. what we were doing all along but the the truth is like we're kind of you know yeah I mean just like you're saying it you're is. still in limbo <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't like, whether no matter what it is like we are, we barely have the wheels on the bus right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I think in some regards, um, I, I kind of think that the whole drama around your mean Mercedes has been a good thing because I think it's distracted people from looking at some of the more serious issues in terms of the roster. But, you know, I, did want to touch on it just a little bit because I don't know if you heard like the the latest in terms of what Ozzy has said or what others have said um to me it just feels like punching down at this point where it's like what the why make this more than it is yeah but I you know I just wanted to get your thoughts on it uh as well oh I mean I'm I'm sure you and I are probably on the same page, but yeah, I, I think it's, first of all, like I have had mental health issues before and some of my family members and a ton of my friends have, and I know that's something you and I like personally talk about openly, but I can totally understand how this whole season uh, has been like a recipe for if you, especially if you're already vulnerable to mental health issues, how it could be a recipe for, um, having depression or anxiety or whatever, like that, these kind of events, like kick that into action. And yeah, sure. I'm not a professional baseball player, but that's even on a bigger scale. There's more pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, one, it's like, uh, it's like, he's not 
getting some kind of level of support he needs from right. someone, whether that is maybe he is actually getting help or not. Um, but then also, um, you know, just like kind of how the organization has handled it. At first, it was kind of like after his initial um, kind of incident on uh, Twitter where he posted he was retiring and took down all of his photos. Right. Um, I felt like I felt like Tony LaRusso's response was good. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like it was supportive and the organization was supportive. Um, but then, you know, like, um, yeah, the Aussie thing came out and I it was just unnecessary. It was rude. Um, I, it's stuff like that is amazing to me. That's like, he was a coach. A manager once because it's like <laughs> well that's why he's no longer the manager it's exactly because of stuff like that like unbelievable also calling him did he call him fat or something yeah. like please i don't want to hear that from a middle-aged dude like who also un- isn't like in the best shape of right like unbelievable <laughs> please look in the mirror um and sure maybe that's like your brand but there was like no empathy in that response and i've seen i've sadly seen a lot of that in our fans too just like no empathy and it's like i suspect a lot of people are and i feel like this is an issue with men too because you know like society puts pressure on men to be tough and Mm -hmm. and not have issues like that or not talk about them or share them but it's like some of the very people who are who are saying like, oh, he's, you're mean soft. Those are the very people sometimes I suspect, like, you have some mental health issues. They're dealing with it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dealing with it in in their own way that may or may not be healthy. Um, But it is an interesting thing. I I had somebody, I saw somebody say like, oh, you know, stop overreacting. Stop making everything about mental health. And it's like, everything is about mental health. We're humans, we have brains. Like literally it's when people, it's like when people say like, it's not about politics. It's like, literally that's everything. (laughs) Everything is our brains. Everything is politics. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, That was my long winded way of saying, I think a lot of people are being hard on him, but I am impressed by the White Sox initial response to it. Yeah. I mean, I think so two things for me is that like, for one, the bigger issue that I have with this is I honestly, my biggest issue with Ozzy's response was that there's no reason to go public with this. Like I am, I'm almost certain everybody has said the same thing behind closed doors and that's yeah. fine, but keep it behind closed doors. Um, yeah. And you know, it's the same way that I felt about Tony LaRusso where he slammed him for swing three Oh, like that's, there's no reason to go public with that. Agreed. But more, more to the point, is this dude is the same dude that I'm assuming he was when he first came onto the White Sox. He's 28 years old. It's not like we're talking about a young kid. So if he was that selfish and that problematic and all of that, then why did you call him onto the active roster at the beginning of the year when you really didn't have to? Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, you know what you're getting. And if it's a matter of him having the support system to be set up for success, then that's a failure on the White Sox for not addressing it. And I, I frankly think a lot about, you know, Drew Robinson, which I don't know if you know his story, but he's the minor leaguer for the Giants. 
that um I think he just did his like had his last game, but he had to retire because he survived a suicide attempt Damn. and has come out very vocally about the need for mental health um awareness and building and really having staffing to help support players in the minors. And, you know, we talk about the fact that the minor leaguers don't get paid enough, don't have access to like an actual room. Most of the time they have to figure it out on their own. They don't have access to quality food, you know, for damn sure if they're not paying for those things that they're doing anything to help them with their mental health. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're taking a guy that you think is problematic, bombastic, whatever, and he could go any which direction, sending him down to Charlotte and kind of saying, okay, you're on your own now, isn't going to help any of those demons that he's dealing with at a major league level. So it's just like, you're throwing all of this fuel to this fire that you know is already there. And then you're going to act surprised when it blows up. I, that's the part that I don't understand. It's not like he changed overnight. It's not like he snapped. This is a dude that is the same dude he's always been, but it wasn't a problem until he stopped hitting and just call it like it is like that. I wish they would be more honest about it as opposed to saying, oh, your mean is trash. Your mean is this. He thinks he's somebody, but he's not. It's like, you knew all this beforehand. That's yeah. That was his brand from day one. But when you're hitting, people love it. People embrace it. The minute you stop hitting, then that's a detriment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, MLB teams in general put up with terrible behavior as long as somebody's producing. Um, so yeah, I think you hit you hit it on the head. And I agree that like, I think that's the whole thing that's interesting to me about this conversation is so many people um, are saying, oh, well, I don't like how he acted and it was selfish, which is like, okay, that's fine, but that's not the point. Like there's yeah. a, a reason, no matter what that reason is, mm-hmm. whether it's a combination of mental health and he was treated unfairly, or maybe it is that he wasn't treated unfairly. We don't know that whole story. We can right. we speculate for sure. But at the end of the day, it's like, obviously, this is a dude that's having issues, no Mm -hmm. matter how you feel about him. And I agree, like, saying things in public, trashing him, you are adding, like you said, you're adding fuel to the fire, you're making everybody look bad. Like, there's not a single person who looks better when somebody does that, not themselves, not the player, it makes me feel shitty as a fan. So I'm like, great, what are we, what are we doing? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think for one, it's like, it's not like your mean is the first asshole to don a White Sox jersey. And, you know, they got rid of Adam Eaton too. And there were people that were happy about that. And that just kind of happened and everyone moved on with their lives. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know why we can't do the same with the guy that isn't doing well and is in AAA Charlotte and kind of figuring out his you know his next career move it's like let him just be there and figure his stuff yeah. out you don't need to harp on it so yeah yeah and I mean I hope that's the other thing too it's like he he served a great purpose and he reinvigorated a lot of fans it was a good time single-handedly carried the offense for the yeah. first few months of the season so yeah. I mean you know any accolades the White Sox get a lot of kudos go to him for that 
Yeah. And I do hope, I hope he gets it back and whether that's with us or some other team, like that's the ultimate, the ultimate thing is like, dude, best of luck to you. Most players, even Adam Eaton, it's like, (laughs) I hope things work out for you and you're a good person. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's what we hope for. So just to continually kick him while he's obviously down and digging himself into holes, just it's unnecessary. Like, Absolutely. If you have so many people that don't even know you that concerned about you because you've done a, you had like a, I don't, I don't want to say publicity stunt because I don't think, I think it was like a genuine like cry for help. But yeah, maybe he did, he wanted attention for a right. reason though. For a but, reason, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, you know, I'm more concerned than anything. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So more immediate for the White Sox, they have their last game against the Brewers going on now, and then they face off against the AL Central once again, where it's the Royals and Cleveland, now Guardians. Yes. Start saying that. Um, and then the Royals again before facing off against the Cubs, which, you know, the Cubs in August, I'm assuming half that team will be guys that no one has ever heard of because you know they need to save money and yet i'm sure we'll still hear a lot of oh yeah we'll hear it'll be an amazing yeah (laughs) and their attendance will still be better than ours of course because their attendance is always better yeah you know with no names it's like it i don't know i i remember when i was living in chicago it could be a Wednesday at one o'clock and I could go into Wicker Park and like all the bars and restaurants would be crowded. And I would always think to myself, how do these people not work and have that amount of disposable income? And these are the same people that go to Wrigley Field. So it's like, good for you that you can go to the ballpark. That doesn't make anybody else less of a fan. And I know that the dude was trolling, but still, it's just, <laughs> it is such an old ass thing that people do. And I'm just, I, I never understand it. Yeah. And I, I mean, the points about it are brought up time after time. And, mm-hmm. You know, the working class make up more of the socks and. Uh, there's so many WGN we've gone over this time after time and it's yeah. so like yeah and I think when the arguments made about our own attendance from Cubs fans about like oh well, I'm just concerned about why you don't go to your own games like don't worry about us we're fine <laughs> be concerned about your team not having money because evidently you going to the ballpark hasn't been enough yeah <laughs> Be concerned that all of your players are going right. to be gone soon. They're all going to be gone. <laughs> within within a year. Yeah. Within a matter of a year, your team's just been decimated. This time next week, the, none of yeah. those none of those guys will be there. Well, who's going to be gone? I think most of them will be gone. Yeah. I mean, I know Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, um, I I would say pretty much all of the name brand guys except maybe Rizzo will be gone. And I I would think Rizzo would even be traded, but I I could see them having him stay. I don't know why at this point, 
because I I always think it sucks when you do a rebuild, but then you keep the one guy around. It's like, hey, we still have this guy, and everyone else sucks, but we have. <laughs> it's depressing. It yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, even when they hadn't gone this far and they still had some of their like World Series mm-hmm. team, it was but we're like not doing well. That's depressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's depressing. Well, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, it'll be a nice stretch for the White Sox. So, I mean, I'm glad in a way, but at the same time, I, I kind of keep looking at the schedule being like, all right, when can we play like some really tough teams and just kind of get them ramped up for the playoffs? Cause I just, I still don't get the sense that this is a team primed for a deep playoff run yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but I also don't know until we have, I think in my mind, it's like until we have folks back, if we we trade for somebody back tomorrow, I know I'm excited. And then erase them from heaven. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. This heaven's (laughs) going to be empty soon. I hope. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's like, people are like, they're back, they're back. But it's like, yeah, but people get injured. So. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. I mean, I hope so. I, I think there's, I, I'm a firm believer in regression to the means, and there's no way that any team can sustain this level of injury forever. Like, yeah, and it has been a while since we have. It's been however many days since our yeah. last accident. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it has. It has been a while. So it seems like they're hitting a stride. Um, I hope that that continues. I get scared well, every time. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Like Adam well, Engel doing stuff. I was like, oh God. Please stop. Just <laughs> <laughs> don't know no, get away from the wall. No. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I hope so. And maybe they're all, you know, they kind of got loose. That sounds weird. Loose for the season. Sounds weird, but that's just what, where my brain is. Like, oh yeah, they're they're good now. They're in season mm-hmm. shape. Um, but yeah. Um I I'm hoping that too, because we really can't afford. <laughs> we can't afford no, not this, to have anything happen. Yeah. yeah. This, and this if we're is... not if we're not making any more moves, then yeah. This I just it. I don't see how without any more relievers, how we're gonna make it though, because that just <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see it. I I have theories. Okay, I um... want to hear them. I love theories. <laughs> And with that, we will take our commercial break to keep you hanging on. (laughs) Keep you on the edge. Cliffhanger. Right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it 
all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Theories, you and Colleen both have your hers are conspiracy. Oh, my theories. my theories are not nearly as fun as Colleen's. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would buy into her theories though, because I was like, I could see it. Tony has to yeah, sleep. Absolutely. He's been fiery lately though. <laughs> All um, right, and we are back. So here is my theory. Theories. If the White Sox, or okay, I'll change the phrasing to be less pessimistic. When the <laughs> when the White Sox make the playoffs, they'll probably go to a three, maybe four man rotation. In which case, you can take one of their starters. It should be Keuchel, but it won't be. It'll probably be Cease, and put him in the bullpen between Cease. And Kopech, you have guys that can go two, three innings. So you're covered for, let's say, four to five innings from your starter. You get two innings out of Kopech or Cease. And then you can finish it off with Crochet or Hendricks. That is interesting. So if the White Sox stand pat, they have enough to make it work for a, a deep playoff run. I is like all I of the names you listed. Yeah. Is, is it <laughs> ideal? No, but they have enough. The reason why I want bullpen depth is because the White Sox still need, and I'm going to use a 2005 reference because I, I think it's like just this kind of guy. They need their El Duque. They need a wily veteran that may not have his best stuff anymore, but they can rely on to get them out of a really shitty situation. A sturdy boy. Exactly. Because all of the guys that they have right now are young guns that outside of Cease, I don't know that they have that bounce back capability. Like we've seen them struggle for extended periods of time. Kopech is just so damn good. I don't know if he'll struggle, but let's say he does. Like, I, I don't know how he would necessarily handle that. Um, that's where you have a veteran stopper coming out of the bullpen. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. Is there anybody in particular you would like to see? I'm going to sound like Kenwo, but I will go with Kolome. Just kidding. <laughs> you are allowed to boo me, but that's exactly the kind I'm of I'm doing both of you need. just... <laughs> I know he'll never it's, listen to this, but I'm no, also going. Won't. I'm going to tell him though that we booed him here. So. That's fine. He'll, he, <laughs> Let, we're going to clip this. this. We're going to clip it. Just you know, we got to. There him. are days that I agree with Kenwell, and a part of my soul dies. But <laughs> there's a reason why we follow each other is because we agree on random shit like this. Um. So we would do we do a com- a coming back then a circle yes, back a Grandpa exactly. Simpson back here exactly yeah i would like that narrative <laughs> i mean it, it's not a sexy move but he would cost next to nothing the twins would be more than happy to get rid of him i think he would be just as happy to get out of minnesota because that whole situation is a train wreck it is and he would have an opportunity to pitch on a team that he knows is you know potentially going to the world series 
I think he got along with all the guys last year. Yeah. And he served his purpose. Like exactly. I was, well, I was especially when it happened, I was bummed. He went to Minnesota. I was like, yeah, well, what the hell? (laughs) Great. (laughs) Because yeah, he was enough of like, he was reliable enough where I was Mm -hmm. like, well, that sucks for us. Yeah. Um, But yeah. But also both of you suck. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So that is my, that's my relief pitcher theory. Um, But yeah. And that, that's why it's like if the Sox could just focus more on the offense, I'd be happier. But I, I still would like them to get that one pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like, too, by the time we get to the playoffs, usually one person, one pitcher gets hurt. So. Gets hurt, yeah. <laughs> I don't feel – that's why I think I feel really – and we haven't had – that's the other thing, too. The pitching – the bullpen, like, with injuries this year has been – crazily like not injured which is great like whatever is happening keep it up keep it going yeah yeah <laughs> knocking yeah. on wood like that is spectacular and suspicious especially when compared to like that every other team yeah. yeah 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 and all of our position players getting injured so yeah i mean because it's it's interesting when you look at the listing because the injuries for the white Sox there haven't been more than other teams it's no just yeah most other teams are dealing with not having pitching where the Sox are like we we need all the bats that we can yeah get. <laughs> yeah and i think that's one reason it's probably so noticeable and makes it seem like we have had worse luck yeah, yeah because and i mean our big like some of our biggest hitters have been the biggest have been hit yeah. yeah yeah so i agree with that there because i mean after for so long we talked about what is going on I and mean, you mm-hmm. and i have been discussing this for months now it seems like only in the past two or three months other folks have been talking about it um but we've gone through the whole like is it the training staff and right. then it's like no it's everybody who we don't have enough time for us personally to research our own team really but it is everybody getting injured um but then for us yeah when it's people that score for us it's particularly noticeable everyday guys like you know it's not every fifth starter or every fifth day with as it is with the starter you're talking about guys that play every day and causing significant holes in the lineup so yeah um but yeah so i am excited I don't know if we want to do like a trade deadline special, but I, I do think I will just say this. This is going to be one of the most active trade deadlines in recent history, I think. Overall? Yeah. Do you have any predictions? I don't have any predictions. I wish I did. I still... I do too. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping my like Tommy, Tom no, Stradamus. I mean, my... <laughs> If it were at all possible, I would love to see Chris Bryant get traded to the White Sox. Like that, oh, yeah. that is like the one trade where it's like, oh, if we hadn't like fleeced the Cubs so badly with the <laughs> yeah. with the Quintana trade, I think we'd have a shot. But um, I just, I love his defensive versatility. Like he yeah. fits in so well with what the White Sox are trying to do with having guys that can play multiple positions that I I know that they would be able to really make that work well 
Um, but yeah, I, it's not in the cards, but that's just, that's like the one that's like, I wish this could happen. Yeah, I agree completely. And from like a different perspective too, I agree with you that he would fit in well. Yeah. In terms of being versatile, but then also just like, because of how his story has gone with the Cubs and how their fans have been with Sour us. With I know we fans. would love him. Oh yeah. <laughs> we would, like we would embrace him because of who he is already, but mm-hmm. because of that, it's like, we would love him even more just like oh, Aloy, but I feel like it would, I mean, it would be like 10 times that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he would be the most popular sock player just based on that it's like yeah. oh yeah you, you're gonna stick it to the cubs Absolutely. yeah i mean he's hard <laughs> to me he's hard not to love like mm-hmm. and i'm sure a lot of people listening will be like oh you're just saying that because he's like a handsome guy like yes he's a handsome guy but not even thinking of that like for the all he's okay. put up with i mean yeah if everybody we, loves we, can, that, we, we can have we hot like, players on the team we can and we do have a hot team let's face it we got a hot team yeah but and that would just up our hotness. But I mean, just everything he's been through and how he's handled it. Um, I like that. I like him as a player. And it's just I, the way the Cubs, like, I don't know, whenever they had their City Connect jerseys and they didn't have him in the have ads, it's there. like, yeah. are you high? <laughs> <laughs> we would like, like to make it as obvious as possible that he will not be on our roster. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like you, okay. From a very like basic, like he's a handsome man, but mm-hmm. also like he's an amazing player. What? <laughs> it, I would argue one of the faces of your franchise. Like I would too. I would, I, one of the faces of MLB <laughs> that too, but yeah, yeah. especially at a, at a local level, it's just like, that's one of your main guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. That was like, we all knew we all already knew but then that was like just okay we get it but like terrible marketing and I'm sure somebody told their marketing like don't put him in there Mm -hmm. but oh that would have like made me so mad like (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna sell the jerseys yeah yeah Yeah. but yeah that would be awesome probably not gonna happen we would both love it I would freak out (laughs) oh I would too yeah I mean I I think Bryant and Trevor Story are the only two like players that I think I would put in the wheelhouse of being both realistic, but also like kind of a reach where I would freak out. Um, But beyond that, I just, I think with the CBA coming up and MLB kind of being an unknown next year, I, I think everything is just going to be out the window and people are just going to make trades like crazy because they, they have no idea what's going to happen next year. Yeah. Um, I am curious to kind of what we haven't, I transitioned topics really fast because of what you said. I like my brain switched yeah, between several different things at once. What the hell is going on with the sticky stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that we don't know about next year, like what happened? <laughs> I feel like we were talking about it and it was happening a lot. Now it's kind of like they're still doing very like I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I it might have been our game. I forgot 
if it was our game or against the Brewers or somebody else's game, but I saw like a pitcher just be like, uh, and then like literally do this and then put his hands down and walk off. Like they didn't even check him. Yeah. So. uh, Um, I, (laughs) I said from the beginning, it was all bullshit and it, it clearly is because they made the example of the one inconsequential pitcher that they could make the example of, um, I, I think they made a few examples of guys in the minors. Yeah. But for the most part, yes, spin rates are down, but the guys that are still pitching well and dominating are still dominating because it had nothing to do with the sticky stuff. Yeah. And that's what I kept trying to tell people is that you can't just magically, like me being who I am, can't walk out and get spider tech and then go down to the Columbia fireflies and be like, all right, I'm ready to pitch. Yeah. Like you need to do so much more. And I mean, could you say that you improved the uh, playing field somewhat? Sure. I guess Um, I I haven't seen any substantial differences that um, warrant like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal. Yeah. I, I don't, what do you think? So I've seen mostly, okay, I'm going to use you, Lucas Gilito as an example. People are like, yeah. oh, He's the yes. one that people go to, yeah. Yeah, but also it's like, he wasn't doing, he wasn't having his best season ever. No. Or he's doing fine, but like. He and, hasn't been doing that well anyway. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's more of a, of an excuse mm-hmm. kind of for people to use. Um, and that one's one that's like keeps persisting, but I, I agree with you. Like as far as spider tack, um, our friend Danny, um, I will share his Twitter handle and his videos he had in the show notes, but he actually bought some spider tack. I think Bennett did this as well. Bennett Carroll did it as well. They bought yep. some and it was actually like, we say sticky, but I mean, it was like super glue. it's not obviously not something where like you were saying if you didn't already have a certain level of skill it would do nothing for you like it's not like it makes you despite the name being spider tack you're not spider-man like yeah um you're not gonna just transform into an amazing baseball player which we talked about is why this whole thing is stupid to begin Mm -hmm. with um but yeah I, i i think it's still stupid <laughs> as we did from day one both thought yeah. it was dumb um I wish their focus was on well it seems like it's not as much on this now I wish it hadn't been from the beginning um, but I don't think it ever really was I think yeah. it was a lot of fire and brimstone over an issue that they felt like they needed to control I haven't figured out why they felt the need to control it yet I don't know if it's like a a move for the next collective bargaining agreement where it's like we're going to reintroduce it at that point in time but it never made sense to me given they had just gone from changing the balls where like every ball hit was a home run like it is in triple a right now and now it's like okay we're going back to using these balls where it isn't a home run every time you come up to the plate yeah, and, and then there were the series of of no hitters. Yeah, too. And he had yeah. all these random no hitters that were happening, but it's just like 
I, I think when you offensively, when the approach to the game is so focused on launch angles, I think the game has adjusted to it. And I think this is the natural consequence. Where yeah. There's a reason why big burly dudes that used to hit for all the power used to bat like, you know, like thinking Rob Deere type guys would hit 180 with 30 home runs because yeah, he had a great launch angle, but he also struck out anytime he didn't make contact with the ball. And you can only be that kind of a three true outcomes player with that can only go for so long before pitchers start to figure you out and they start adjusting And I think that's what's happening now. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And we've talked about that in, in other ways too. Um, And whenever we had our our talk with uh, choice builder, Max Bay, we talked a lot about that. Yeah. Um, That was, and if anybody's listening, you should definitely go back and and listen to that. It's not as quite as relevant, but it still was like very interesting conversation um, about the consequences of um, you know, cracking down on sticky stuff, but yeah. And it's not like this is the first time this has happened in in baseball either. There were similar things in like, I think like the late teens, 19, Mm -hmm. 18 or or 17 in like the sixties, sixties, seventies when they moved the mounts. I mean, it's like, this is how the game works is that it, it swings in favor of the pitching. Then it's like pitchers are too dominant. Let's go the other way. Then it's too dominant for the hitters. And that's the natural evolution. And I think, you know, to bring it back to the White Sox, I do think one of the reasons why the White Sox have such an amazing record, despite having one of the least powerful offenses in Major League Baseball, yes, they have like five amazing starters, and, th- and that's true. But also, you're looking at a team that has preached not time and time again, make good contact with the ball. Stop worrying about launch angles. Stop worrying about trying to pull it and hitting it out of the ballpark. So you see guys that are hitting it to all fields. Now, the reason why I think it's good is because I'm almost certain there will be either a limit or elimination of shifting in, in, the, in the field during <laughs> ball games. When that happens... A lot of the guys like Yohan Mankata, Yasmani Grandal that are getting shifted right now and are hitting into it, those are all going to be doubles very soon. <laughs> and you're going to see these guys all of a sudden their their numbers are going to go through the roof because they're making really hard contact, but the way that they're being played defensively, they know where their tendencies are and they're yeah. heading right into it. So, I mean, that's just how, that's how the game goes. And I I think it'll be interesting to see, but I know some folks get frustrated with Frank Minichino because he's like, you know, just hit 300. Don't worry about home runs. And yes, in some ways, when you like look at the game, just in a true black and white fashion, that's a very antiquated way of approaching things, but there is merit to it because I think that, the obsession with launch angle has caught up to some guys, not everyone, but there are a lot of guys that had a good two to three year run that I think are struggling now. And that's yeah. kind of the reason why. Yeah. And that makes sense. And I mean, we've kind of seen that a lot of times when we've been like 
stranding our own guys on base. Yeah. And it's like, I would much rather, can we at least get one of these in? We don't have to hit it deep. Just no. even one, maybe yeah. two is good. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that is, that's super interesting. And yeah, I can see how a lot of people would not. It's easy to watch baseball and love a bomb. Right. <laughs> and just, I mean, and expect that. But like with a lot of things we talked about, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to happen. And I think the, your part about launch angle is really interesting too, because even though I love stats um, and I love kind of like the physics aspect of, va- of baseball, that is something that's like between both like very pro stats people, especially like advanced stats people. Well, not, not usually cause they usually like get it more and people who are very annoyed with like a focus on stats. That's one thing that's important for everybody to understand is like some of these aren't necessarily, they're not sustainable. They're not like necessarily no. good or bad. Like yeah. some of them. Yes. Obviously if somebody's getting on base. It's good. You want that. Mm-hmm. But some of them, it's like, just because they have this thing this few times, that doesn't mean they're like, great. And I don't know. I think like, yes, we've gone too far with like obsessing over certain things with stats. <laughs> <laughs> and I love stats, but it's like, you have to read more into it than this one thing. Like, right. there's way yeah. more to the story than like one And that's one exactly stat. it. It's the context that, that's usually missing because yes. like you can pull any one stat and say, here is what I'm using as the marker of what makes this player great or terrible yeah. and completely ignore everything else. But I think also too, a lot of analytics were put in place because, you know, it's impossible to see every single baseball player. And yeah. even when, you know, Bill James was originally doing it, it was under the construct of, I wonder how, players of today measure up with players that came before that none of us got to see and just as you know out of pure curiosity how can you measure a player that you've never seen before in such a way that you can say this player is comparable to this this and this and it's interesting from historical purposes because I think it brings certain players to light that were maybe underappreciated at the in the era that they played in but you can't go so far with it without that context that you're talking about yeah. where it's like, you have to understand what their role is on the team on a day-to-day basis, and then look at the statistics on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And it's, uh, there was something I was looking at. I don't remember even what it was now, um, but like, it was hard to even find some stats like mm-hmm. from 2017 and 2018. Yeah. And I did not realize like, oh man, this is that. It's accelerating a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because now you can find like everything, but I was like, I can't find, or the information I did find was incorrect. Um, which was also like a little scary, but now Mm -hmm. like I'm more confident in things the past two years, although last year was kind of a, you know, not really a season you could really compare that much. (laughs) It'll be an outlier, but yeah. Um, no, that's super interesting. And that will be interesting over time um, to see how things progress. And I feel like whenever people have those like goat <laughs> conversations, mm-hmm. it's like, we really don't know. It's no. too hard. 
to say <laughs> because we literally know nothing. We have no idea. And I think it's harder too. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I thought this past draft was really interesting because there were a lot of high school players taken. And one yeah. of the reasons why most teams haven't typically liked high school players is because they're impossible to project because you have no way of saying, oh, this kid played in this high school and that talent's the equivalent of this, which is, you know, there's no clean metric for doing that. Um, And you tend to rely more on athleticism and just like God-given talent rather than metrics or stats. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder. um... With the pandemic year, it was was basically the perfect time to to kind of do that. Yeah, I was um, Pat who... Mm -hmm. uh, Pat will be Pat Ellington. He uh, writes for the uh, MILB for, for Cleveland's teams. And he was, he's going to be joining us in the future. Um, He does a lot of pieces on black players and he most recently released one about Akil Badu. And it was super interesting because um, he came out of high school and and his like walk rate initially was like 10%, which was crazy. It's almost like, is it almost better too for some of those guys who are, like you said, I mean, they're already going to be good if they have like a God given talent, but Mm -hmm. is it almost better for them to like skip college and go straight and learn in the, with the best of the best? Yep. Yeah. I yeah, never I mean, really, because I was always like, that seems like a bad idea. But <laughs> then when I read that, I was like, I've actually never given enough thought to, to this to say much. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's not that he had the exact same um, background, but even with Tim Anderson, like when you look at where he started from, and I think this was probably before you became a Sox fan, but like one of the biggest conversations was, oh, there's no way that's sustainable. Like, he's just hitting at such a high rate. Like, there's no way that he, he's going to continue that batting average because he doesn't walk and he strikes out too much. And then he started, you know, striking out a little bit less. It was like, he never walks. He's never going to do anything. And he now has the highest batting average of the last three years of all active qualifying players. <laughs> and it's like, you can be really 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 talented and not necessarily check all the boxes that most guys check and you know it goes back to the whole analytics thing from the standpoint that the reason why analytics became such a big deal and why it's highlighted the way it was in Moneyball was because you didn't want to necessarily fall in love with these five tool athletes that had the perfect build that looked like this, that did that. And then they couldn't actually play the game. Yeah. And now we're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, you're so obsessed with the stats that you have no idea if this guy can actually play. Yeah. And some of them can't. Yeah. And then it doesn't account for wild being a human being yeah Yeah, it really doesn't yeah no it's uh like hopefully all goes well but yeah I mean there's plenty of examples of of people that I mean even on our own team that shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been good or or have you know I'm thinking of Carlos Rodon mainly right now um and yeah he's good now but like that was not predicted as a human we did not predict that. We couldn't predict that necessarily. I mean, maybe somebody could, but yeah. Um, no, and that's a good point. And I don't know how you feel about this and I would love to know how you feel, but 
I do enjoy the stories of the guys who are like, you aren't necessarily, I think those are my, some of my favorites. Like you aren't necessarily on paper good, but you are fulfilling this role that we need you in. Absolutely. Um, Those are like my favorite. Yeah. I mean, um, that's why I think more than most recent players, Mark Burley holds a very special place in, in my heart and why I think he's just such an impressive talent because he was drafted, I think in the 33rd round. So like by today's standards, he never would have been drafted. Yeah. Like he wouldn't exist as a player. And I remember when he first got called up and everybody was like, eh, he's fine, but he doesn't throw very hard and his control is good, but like nothing elite about him. Yeah. But he figured out how to be the best version of himself and how to be a really efficient pitcher and made a very lengthy career off of doing just that. And, you know, I think that's the perfect example of like, you don't necessarily have to jump off the pages and look impressive to still have a very, very successful career. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's possible. And and that, that is, that's what makes baseball baseball, you know, otherwise it's no different from NBA where it's like, okay, are you seven feet tall and can you dribble like a point guard and run up and down, <laughs> run up and, down and shoot half court threes? Okay. You're seven. Yeah. like, that's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just whenever I see people arguing just about batting average, yeah, it's like, okay, well, not everybody can have a good batting average. So what do you want them to do? <laughs> right. Would you rather they like be utilitarian or would you rather them just suck? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that well, can happen. Right. And it's not a, you know, all or nothing. Like you may not have a good batting average, but if you do other things well, like that should offset. And yeah. if it doesn't offset, then that's a different conversation that we should be having. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Those are two different, very different conversations. Like it's much more tolerable. I mean, that's the whole point of having Mm -hmm. people that have like, yeah, that's our whole point of this conversation about stats and context and not being able to just look at one of them and decide a player or, I mean, in the case you brought up, not being able to look at them and predict the future necessarily Yeah, because we are humans, Mm -hmm. flawed humans. We are. And on that note, we will wrap up this amazing episode. (laughs) Take away that. (laughs) You're flawed. We are all flawed. And that is today's final thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Well, we will be back very soon. Um, I hope it will be a productive trade deadline, but otherwise uh, we'll see what happens in the interim as the Sox finish off against the Brewers and face off against the Cleveland baseball team, which I will officially start calling the Guardians. Um, And then the uh, Royals. So, hell yeah. Should be fun. It'll be amazing. Can't (laughs) wait. All right. Take care. All right. Bye, everybody.